0: What a wonderful hymn to sing in the church. I hope we realize what a, well, just a gracious blessing it is to sing. There'll be joy in heaven with people, congregationally. It's a great hymn. It's a great truth in that hymn. It's all because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, There also should be much joy in this world for a believer uh, as we go through this life one thing for sure we need to know is that we have a purpose in life every one of you have a purpose a god-given purpose another thing i want to remind us that we need to know is that we're not going to live on this earth forever we're not dying is very much a reality we don't have to be told that i know but i think we we take for granted sometimes that we'll just live seemingly forever But what is important that we think about in this life that we're not going to be here on this earth forever, we will be able to sing and be joyful in heaven forever, as we trust our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not because of our merit or good works, but because of His love and joy and grace that He's given us, and forgiven us of all of our sins. If that doesn't bring joy, nothing will. And then to understand that not only has He taken away our sins, He's given us His righteousness, that will give us much strength. I pray that it will continue us. You know, the scriptures are clear, and I think we've experienced it, that joy is really our strength. I think sometimes we get so weak, and we have a tendency to fall away from life. And we, get, we, we have to deal with a lot of sadness and gloom and hurt. And it does seem like in our life, I don't have to tell you all this, that there's a cloud over every horizon. Seems like in this life, you know, we, we go through situations where things look like really good. We feel good about ourselves, our life, our loved ones, and then there's something comes up, and there's a little bit of a gloom about it, maybe a cloud, but, you know, nevertheless, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And there is joy. And uh, what I want to talk to you about today kind of alludes to that in a lot of ways. And title what I want to try to say is, First things first, to finish well. Uh, we're going to be talking about the last of this series. I've tried to do a series on 2020 scriptures, and Acts 2020 is the last 2020 scripture that I can find in the Bible. And I've been taking them uh, chronologically. Um, this is the last one, and it's amazing to me how they've all seemed to fall at least when I felt like my soul needed to be fed because. You know, every preacher, you have to feed yourself before you can feed anybody else. But it's really been a blessing to me to try to study these verses, just taking them as God gives them, and then trying to find the context of it and find some understanding and then an application to it to our own lives. Well, this one is really another one that is just full of all of that because the context has finishing. And what it's about, and we're going to read it in just a minute, is is the Apostle Paul. Who really didn't start out so well you remember that don't you Uh, Paul was was uh, a man that was against God's people he was persecuting the church Uh, there was a time in the apostles life we read in Acts in the early chapters where he was holding the cult that when they stoned Stephen and he was on his way to do more damage to God's people and the thing is he thought he was doing God a favor but God changed his course. Maybe God has changed your course. I suppose that he has. I know he has mine. I know I didn't start out so well. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter how you start off necessarily. What matters, though, is how you finish. What, what, what matters is how you finish. And Paul is talking about, he wants to finish with joy. And, and he's, not, he's not sugarcoating life. God is not going to do that for us. But here's the deal with Christianity. It's so deep and so real and so effective that we can go through calamities in life, hardships, suffer, and we can still have joy. And the reason we have that is we have God. See, if you don't have God, you won't find joy. You'll be looking every place in life and you won't find it. Money can't buy it. But joy is, is a fruit of the Spirit for sure. But but it's something that we need to cultivate and, and just rejoice in and and so here in this in this context of first things first to finish well, I think sometimes we we need to be reminded of that. I know I do that. That there's so much in life, so many things come into us, and and I know you guys, you you're so blessed, and you have so many things going on, and and I know sometimes priorities can be can be a, a struggle for all of us, and and, and yet what we need to re- realize is that. We need to keep everything we do with an end in view you hear me an end in view uh whatever you're doing in life you know i, I was thinking maybe it am may just my little simple mind i was thinking here watching as we sung and watching this congregation you know when you come to church you ought to come with an end in view you know what you know church ought to mean something to you not because you just want to be here and say well you know i'm in church today and, and i know you're here for the right reason don't get me wrong but but, but with the end in view is because I was thinking, you know, one day I'm going to be in a box, a, co- a casket of some kind in a church. Man, what a blessing, though, to know that, that whatever opportunities I've taken to finish with joy, I want, to, I want to see that as an end in view, a church family as with the end in view, not particularly what, what is happening right now, but end in view, in a relationship you have, whether it's a marriage or, or a vocation or whatever you're pursuing try to keep the end in view. That's what the Apostle was doing. And and I think that's what we ought to do. Because if you don't keep the end in view and you go after something just because it seems to be right for the time right now, you might just get it but you'll end up getting in a mess over the years, you know, in the future. Because it has to have an end in view. Christianity, the Lord Jesus Christ, He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He, he knows the end from the beginning. I, I said He has a course. He does. And in our life and your course and mine are different your ministry and mine are different but you have it and God is orchestrating it and setting it all out by his providentially purposeful hand in our lives so first things first to finish well and I know that's where we all want to be and I pray that the Lord will will help us I don't want you to be discouraged in any way wherever you are now because finishing well is, is so so important in our life I remember John Newton's Words or I can't quote them all, but I remember as much as he was involved in and in, uh, the horrific things that he was involved in against God and uh, how he cursed God and all that he had working on that slave trip uh, ship. Uh, but when God changed his heart, uh, that man became a preacher, and he preached so long that that he was asked, "Why does he keep preaching?" He was up in his 80s and 90s. He says, "Well, he says I am a great sinner." But I have a great Savior. And he just wanted to keep on telling people as much as he could about Him, And what a blessing that is. Let's then go to our text. And that is, again, as I mentioned, Acts chapter 20. And here the Apostle Paul was going from Greece, as I understand it, to Jerusalem. But he stops by to tell some folks kind of a view of his ministry. This is what the Apostle is doing here. And, and i got to tell you, personally for me, as I tried to study this this week, I, I have really looked at my own ministry, and I see a lot of areas I need to really, really improve on. I'm talking about working in the church with, with you, and, and I want to do better. But, but, but what Paul was doing was, was he was kind of reviewing his ministry. But, but you have a ministry too. It might not be preaching in a pulpit, but you have a very, very vital ministry. And it may be, to be good for us to kind of assess that. You know, where, where are we now? We none not know how much longer we have on this life. But we do want to finish with joy. And I want you to finish with joy. I do. And what a blessing it is to know that when we finish with joy. I'm going to start reading at verse 17 and read through verse 24. And then we'll go back to the very middle of that. It kind of sets the context of... This message from this 2020 verse. Acts 20, verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. And here's a 2020 verse. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. You see what he's saying? He says, listen, what matters? I don't know what's out there before me. I've been told there's a lot of people that don't like me. I'm just using Apostle Paul's person here. Uh, there was. There was. A lot of hostility. And you, you know what? When you really, against this world, and if we're going to take up for Jesus and stand for him, you're not going to have such a long friend list. You're not. You know, friendship with the world is enmity with God. It is. So Paul says, I know, I know what's out there. But he says, I am convinced so much of God that the Holy Spirit is with me that, that I'm willing to go ahead no matter what now I want you to notice this with me whatever happens I am determined to finish my course with joy what the Apostles saying and this is where we all need to be in our in our ministry ministerial approach to the purpose God has given us life because because the 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 Uh, the the catechism that says that the chief end of man that is our purpose is to do what glorify God right and enjoy him forever and we got to enjoy God and we won't enjoy God if we don't glorify God now that means that means all of life really should be worship no matter no matter what you're doing you know worship is just more than being in church it is worship every day. Somebody said they heard birds singing this morning. And it reminded them that spring was coming and the birds were excited. Well, that's a testimony of God's creatorship, right? And so so it's really a worship. It's what it is. And, and all of our life is worship. And and so the Apostle Paul is, is called, and, and he's a called minister of God, but he said, what matters to me is, not not where where I get everything the way I want it but am I serving God am I pleasing God and he's doing this with humility and here it is when you and I are humble and we ought to be when we really think about the privilege God has given us to serve him you understand that that is a sweet and precious privilege it's not It's not some sort of locking in mode and keeping you from having fun in life. No. That is freedom, my friends. When you surrender completely to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to see the weight lifted off your soul and heart like never before. Doesn't mean you're going to have everything just like you want it, but it means that God is going to be with you. And Paul was humble enough to acknowledge God in everything, and he says, because of that, and this is how we'll find ourselves, we're willing to suffer. We're willing to understand that we just might, not might, we will suffer. Much tribulation is how we enter the kingdom. We don't know how that is. Yours is different than mine. Uh, there's, there's internal suffering. Uh, there's things that just break our heart. I, I mean, I mean, just, just breaks our heart. Just internal things that, that hurt. Uh, we can't control sometimes. Maybe, maybe it's our own sin. Maybe it's the sins of others. Maybe, maybe just life. Uh, you know, depression is real. Things come around us. And, and so there's an internal suffering. Then there's, there's external suffering in that there's hostility. In and, and this place, case, it was the Greeks and the Jews. They, they were against Paul. They wanted to kill him. That's what they wanted to do. They were seriously trying to take his life. And yet he was pressing on for the mission God has given him to do. And that's what I want you to do. I want want me to do it. I want us to do it together that that we we steadfastly, just like Jesus, uh, going to Jerusalem to to be crucified, that we're willing to to follow God, surrender to Him, and serve Him in every way that we can. So Paul says... He's got the end in view. He said, "What matters is I want to finish with joy." And so, what matters with you and me? I know it does. As believers, is we don't want to we don't want to get on the bad side of God in this life. Okay, we don't want to get to a situation where we get halfway through and things are going pretty good, and and we you know we we take our faith, we we join the church, or we whatever we do we go on a mission whatever all those things are wonderful things but but you know what Paul said even later in his life he says I beat against my own body so that I won't become a castaway sometimes we can drown in shallow water you hear me sometimes you can drown in shallow water. just little things of life that ought not to bother you can really really bog us down and 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 prevent us from from having joy and, and things that really um, matter in our life. And the reason is we're not putting first things first. Now, I want you to look at uh, your bulletin. I gave you four sentences. I don't want to get behind in this if I can help it. So I want to use this kind of to apply the, the text that we read where Paul says, I have kept back nothing. That's our text verse. That was profitable unto you and you know what that is God's Word God's Word is for your profit okay it's not for me or some preacher up here trying to look down on you and preach down no 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 it's it's profit it's to help you it's to benefit you. but but it's it's to understand that, that sometimes that comes in shapes and sounds that we don't particularly think might be profitable you know what I had some parents sometimes tell me some things I didn't particularly want to hear that, that, that I didn't think sounded good, but that was for my benefit. You know, I've, I've had lots of preachers tell me things that I didn't know, I didn't know sounded too good, but, but when you think about what God is telling us in this, His Word, it's exactly what I needed. And that's exactly what we need to see it with today. The first sentence I wanted to look at to apply this is serving God defines the motive for doing what is right in his sight. i just use those four blanks. What is right in God's sight? What is right in his sight above every other consideration? And there's a lot of other considerations. But if you're going to keep an end in view, see, God is who we're accountable to. And so that's what Paul is seeing here because he's got a lot of resistance, but he's saying, I'm going to serve God. Now, where are you in this, okay? Now, when we're when talking about serving God, serving God is not necessarily having to, you know, read the Bible ten times or going through a, 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 a catechism or a Bible study. or It's it's every day. It's your mindset, it, as we've just described. I hope it is you're humble enough to understand God has saved you by His grace. He didn't have to do that, but He loves you that much. So He's given you a purpose because He's going to use you. That's what He's going to do to encourage somebody else in your, in your life. It may be your children. It may be your parents. It might be a friend, what it's going to be. But, but the Spirit of God, is He lives in you, will we'll bring out that joy and bring out that testimony. And that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, this is the definition, when you serve God, it's doing what's right. Now, every day you have those those decisions to make. What is right in God's sight? You know, I've got them even in my thought life, and you do too. I mean, what is right in God's sight? See, that needs to be what controls. Do you want to put first things first? I mean, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't he? He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. So, see, you see the end in view? I mean, that's what he's doing. He's keeping in view. And and so, so the, the Hebrew letter talks about, in Hebrews chapter 12, He talks about a course, that we run this course. And we're in a life, this is a race. Sometimes it appears to be a rat race, doesn't it? But but it's a race. And so we finish our course with joy. I wanted to read those two verses, I think those two. Here's what it says. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You understand, as believers, you still have to deal with sin, don't you? He's talking to believers here. He says, "Let's set that sin aside." That might be doubt. It might be bitterness. It might be unforgiveness. Uh, might be some sort of lust or whatever. And so God says, "You got to set it aside." Why? Because you have a you have a race, and you have to put first things first. If you're gonna finish this course with joy and the one thing God hates is sin that's why Jesus died on the cross that's why preachers need to talk about sin the Bible talks about it Christ died for it. last week we talked about scars on our Savior's body even as we speak as he makes intercession for us this very moment the scars of Calvary's cross are still on his hands and feet inside why because of our sin what, what a blessing to understand that and how it ought to break our hearts when we fall back in it. But then he goes on to say, let us lay aside that weight of sin. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Patience is hard, but patience comes through tribulation. Romans tells us that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope. That we be not ashamed see hope is understanding that we have an end in view and that comes many times through the problems you've got many of you have come through life already and you've had issues heartbreaking wrenching kind of deals you had to deal with and yet I look in your heart and I see or your face I see from your hearts countenance that you're just like this apostle you said you know what I'm gonna finish this course I'm gonna do it with joy and I thank God for it. It's a powerful, powerful witness. But then he says in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, here's the end in view, for our Lord even, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, so thinking about this now, here's the Apostle Paul. His mindset is, listen, I'm going to serve God. And he goes on, he sort of he sort of reflects his ministry. He says, I've been with you. He says, through all of this, every season of life, and, and it's my, I have kept nothing back that was good for you. You know, God forbid preachers or anybody else not telling all of God's word. Or maybe let me put it this way. If I've got up here, and I know this is, you wouldn't have this either, but, but a lot of places, unfortunately, not like this, I understand. You know, I'm not going to be up here just to please you. My job as a minister of God is to promote the things that are profitable from God's Word. It might hurt sometime. I pray that the way that God would bless me to preach would be so that everybody in every kind of lifestyle might not be comfortable doesn't mean we're any better than anybody. What it means, though, is this God that we serve is holy, and he's very, very serious with his word. And so so the deal is I'm under this calling from God, or, or say a preacher, let's call it that. I, I, I don't know how in the world I got here, but, but whatever it is, I, I got to deal with it because that's what God's called me to do. But the thing is, you know, he tells in Ezekiel, I was reading the other day, he says, if you warn... And you tell people—he's talking about the Old Testament, I know—and he said, if they don't do it, then then it's on them. But he says, if you don't, and they don't know, he says, then it's on you. Talking about the preacher, you, you see that you see the context of it. So, so Paul is saying, listen, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to I'm going to give it all to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what God has called us to do. You know, I Now, told you and I know this might be redundant to some of you but it just comes to my heart I didn't plan to say it but it kind of fits with what I'm gonna say I mean this kind of world we're living in several years ago I was asked to do the prayer invocational prayer for the day for Southern it's a wonderful university it's no different than any others On what I'm about to tell you so so I was there to do the prayer and never been there before to do it and you know what to do so the guy comes up to me and he says before I pray he showed me where I'd stand and when I would do it and he says one thing I want to tell you, he says, he says, you know, says, you're going to have to do what you want, but says, the president of the university, what does the president have now? I don't even know the guy's name. has asked me to ask you, when you pray the prayer, do not pray in Jesus' name. He says, because we have people in this university that contribute a lot of money and said, they're different face. said, we don't want to offend you. The guy was just telling me. And I remember he was holding my coat and just kind of doing like this, you know. <laughs> I still remember that. That's silly, but I still remember it. But he said, you know, you know, I said, well, why didn't you tell me that before you asked? He said, well, I'm just telling you what I was told to tell you. I said, you do what you have to do. So you know what? When I pray, I don't know how you would pray without praying in Jesus' name. So I had to pray in Jesus' name. I've never been invited back. But, but I'm saying, so, so what am I going to do? What am I going to say? I want to I be really on the good side of those guys out there. It's a great place, university. It is. Uh, but, but, you know, what are you going to do? And that's just a little example of what can happen in our life. But, but it happens. Everything we do, serving God, if you're in your marriage, in your vocation, um, everything's spiritual for the believer. This depends about something what's secular or temporal. I don't understand that. Everything I do and everything you do as believers is spiritual. I, I don't care if you're just brushing your teeth or combing your hair or 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 raking the yards. I mean it's it's all do it as unto God. So so I serve God and you serve God because you're accountable to God and not men, first. And then and then even as an employee, you really are serving God. Um uh, According to Ephesians six, uh, you serve God as you serve your employer. Okay, okay. Look at the second one. But that Paul was saying that he was saying I'm not held anything back. I've tried to do what was right in His sight above every other consideration. Number two, the Bible is profitable like nothing else in the world. This is a testimony of the authority perfection, and sufficiency of Scripture. Authority, perfection, and sufficiency of Scripture. Look over with me at 2 Timothy 3 right quick. You know, you're familiar with these verses. But it says there, all Scripture, in verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture, that means from Genesis to Revelation, is given by inspiration of God. Now that, that, even though it was written by men, it wasn't inspired by men, it's inspired by God. That's important for us to know, okay? All Scripture, Old Testament New Testament, is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. Now you want something that's going to benefit your life? You know, when churches start getting into areas where they're going to give you motivational talks or addresses, you know, what I'm trying to do, what any preacher ought to do is not a fireside chat, okay? It's not some sort of talk. It's it's profoundly preaching God's Word. And I wish I could be more profound than I am about it. But there's simply no gray areas in God's Word, okay? There's no way that we're going to try to entertain people because I wanted you to know, the Apostle Paul, this one we're reading about in Acts 20, if he was alive today, he would be the most sought after man, I believe, that's ever been for these church growth uh, mindsets, models, or whatever you call them. Then go right to it because he has so much growth. But you know what? His idea it was not or his way were not methodology. methodology it was his life his commitment to the truth of God's Word and he would tell Peter that he would tell anyone that he talked from the truth of God's Word he didn't try to water it down all all scriptures give for God. it is profitable for doctrine okay that's for teaching That's what this book is for, teaching. You want to learn something? You learn something about God. Okay? Because when you learn something about God, (laughs) you you learn something about everything. Okay? Because he created it all. Teaching for doctrine, you know, how how we're saved, what God has done for us, where we'd be without God, how much we depend on him, to trust him. Not only for doctrine, for reproof. That means that our sins are exposed. That we need to understand that our sins are, are Exposed now. I think about that in our light of the world. We're living in because you don't have to you know this I don't have to tell you this we're living in a tolerant tolerating world. as never before I Mean just everything's tolerated You know what I, I was listening and I know you the other day on the news I don't want to get political with you. I don't mean that at all, but but a man was interviewed. I just have to be walking through and the guy introduced him as the husband of a man that was running for the president of the United States of America. Now, you tell me. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, now, listen, I've done things worse than that man. Don't get me wrong. I have. But I know the remedy of it is Jesus Christ. So, so the deal is, here's where I was. You know, I was sitting, and I, that caught me. And I, I, I just... I didn't know where to feel angry. I didn't know where to feel guilty because I didn't think that was okay. And then this this other guy gets on there and this announcer asks him what he thought about it. He says, well, that's just generational. He says, my generation, and he was an older guy, he says, wouldn't adhere to it, but says, that's generational. No, that's not generational. That is God. God is not generational. He is eternal. You understand that? God's not going to change. He's not. But yet we have tolerated that, that it's almost like we're afraid to say anything. I mean, I'm telling you, I was sitting there, but then I had a sadness. I wasn't angry. I I was, you know what, that could be me. That could be my children. That could be any of us. But we're living in the world where anything goes. Just tolerate it, and it's, you know, what it causes? You know, this word authority is turned upside down. But you know who the bad guys are now? You know, when I think of men like Todd Hudgens and others, works in law enforcement, you know, because of this toleration mindset, they then are the bad guys. You ever notice that? I mean, the policemen and those law enforcement people who put their life on the line for us, now they're they're the bad guys. Teachers, we got lots of them in this room. Teachers now are determined, you know, when you try to do what's right in God's sight, you are the bad guy. Why? Because you're going to live in a world that's going to tolerate everything. And if you don't tolerate it, then you're wrong. You're just this closed-minded Christian, whatever. So you're getting ready for it. I mean, it's getting worse. And so may the Lord bless us. But he said this is for reproof. For correction. So so you expose you to correction. And you know what the thing is, when you see your sin, you correct it. God's grace does that. And you know what? Lots of times that can be stronger where you've messed up in life. You know, I I don't know, I've never welded a lot, but I've been told by people that know a lot about welding that when a piece of metal is broken and it's properly welded, it's stronger on that weld than it is anywhere else in the metal. And I believe God's healing grace is like that in our lives. Okay, number three, perfection and sufficiency. I'm going to jump on that one tonight. I know I am, so but I wanted to get on to this next one. The New Testament teaches that the heart of leadership is example. Example. That's what Paul was saying here. You see what he said? He said, I'm not holding nothing back. Uh, but I've told you what is proper and have showed you. That's the example. Every teacher knows the best teaching tool we have is an example. How you live your life. What you do. doing. Paul says, I'm held nothing back. He says, I've been through some hard times. I mean, the man's been whipped. The man has been in all kind of and situations are going to be. And he stands fast in God. See, what the example is, is God in his life. But he understands that. I wanted to share this with you. You know, my daughter, my daughter, Ashley, and I got so many wonderful daughters and family. I love them all. But that, that kid, she has been through so much in her life. But I want to tell you, right now, that lady, she, she is so excited about God. A couple weeks ago, she was baptized. She was baptized here, you know. But she, she taught, she got joined this little Baptist church, and and so she she gets her dress out the day before. She tells me, says I'm so excited about going to church. So I encouraged, and she was baptized joined this little church. But I mean, she's been through. And the only reason I share this is because she's my daughter, and she would want me to. I believe she would anyway, and because I love her. But you know what? I told her I can take you to the very seat. I sat at in S&S Cafeteria in Macon, Georgia. She was running the streets and all that. and I found her one day and got got up to her and got her to meet me over there. And we said, I can take you to the table. And we sat there in that table, and I told her. I said, you know, actually, I love you. You'll always be my daughter. I said, but when you live like this, I said, it just breaks my heart. And I said, I'm no better than you are. You know, I'm not. I said but if you continue to live this kind of lifestyle and this is all you do in life I says when you die you will go to hell and I told my own daughter that I did and uh, I couldn't tell your dad <laughs> I don't know why but I love my daughter enough to tell her that you know we need to be more concerned for the lost we do I mean for some reason we have this mindset you know well if if God saved us and we didn't need me to worry about that, that's God business No, it's our business God can do the saving, but he's called us. You know, Jesus Christ left the 99 to find the lost. Now, to be lost does not mean you're not elect family of God. There's a lot of lost elect people out in the world today. Sheep are just, you know, excuse the language, we're, we're called sheep. They're probably the dumbest animals ever was. They need a shepherd, and we need to be continually doing that. But here's what I wanted to share with you. I was talking about example, and I know we got to move on. My daughter sends me a text every morning. I mean, a devotional. I'm talking about in scripture, and she says this, and I want to read it to you. And I, please excuse me for personalizing this. Good morning. Some of us spend years trying to work our way out of financial binds, only to end up more in debt than ever. Others work tirelessly on strained, strained marriages, only to deteriorate each year. Each, deteriorate each year, and still others fight losing battles on depression, drug addiction, or disease. God has keys to the kingdom that will unlock any situation we may be in. He has keys that open the doors for us spiritually, physically, financially, or emotionally. That's his word, his spirit. God's word is full of keys of kingdom principles, keys to bind up the devil's operations and keys to loose ourselves from his snares. Remember this, there is no situation so dark and so cleverly designed by the forces of darkness that there isn't a kingdom key that will unlock it with kingdom power. There's an answer to whatever situation you may be facing. Keep knocking at the door until it is open for you. Have a good day. Now, listen, I tell you that you may know somebody. You may have a kid. You may whatever. Don't ever give up. Because here's my situation. As horrific as that setting was for me and that S&S cafeteria, I can't tell you the gloom I felt driving back home of how hard I seemed that I could watch for my daughter. Um, but I'm going to tell you, God turned her life around. Two years ago, I did her marriage in a little mountain venue in Delonaga, Georgia. She's still married today, and this is some of the evidence. But this is what I told her after that devotional. I thanked her. I said, thanks for your love for the Lord. Hope your day is wonderful. I know that God loves you, and nothing can make him stop. Your daddy loves you, too. Here's my point about example. Because you may be dealing with this, and you don't even know you're doing. Because I didn't know it. I got to the point I could not help my daughter at all I mean, I you let it go I mean I mean you just got to give it to God sometime but here's what happened here's what she told me I love you too dad and I got my love for the Lord by watching how you have lived your life and your love for the Lord has always inspired me now I want to tell you my friends She don't know me that well, because I ain't always lived that well. And and, and actually, I was thinking, I'm not even doing anything to help her. And yet, she sees that. I just want you to know, when you live your life to love God, somebody's watching you. That is your ministry. You hear me? And what's going to happen in that way, when God uses you that way, you just set that course, no matter what happens, and you watch it. Jesus Christ says, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to me. You lift him up, and you won't lift him up any wonder, more wonderful than your love for him. Your faithful devotion. And that's what Paul is doing, in my view. He's just lifting up, God, and he says, you know, I I've I went with you, I've stayed with you, and I want to be profitable to you. I've told you everything that was profitable. I've not kept nothing back. And then, the, I'll give you the, I won't expound on this I'll complete it this evening (laughs) Uh, the fourth one I'll go ahead and let you fill in the blanks you already know this Paul talked about a biblically sound presentation must include repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you know that's repentance you know what repentance is just tell you briefly Repentance is a gracious power giving only to the elect of God. Only. It's a gracious power that God gives you. Thereby or whereby you quit living a life of sin and focus living righteously through the power and the gracious merit of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. May the Lord bless you and keep you until we can meet again in whatever way God would allow allow us to do that. And uh, remember, first things first, to finish well. Brother Mike.